courage is the nothing personal word of the day for this first day of October 2021. Courage representing the North Carolina Courage, a team in the National Women's Soccer League. Courage representing what it takes to come forward when you've been subject to workplace harassment, sexual harassment. I want to give you the backstory and then tell you what's happening right now because there's a CYA going on. I'm tired of it. I Coke and I are preparing for the show and I'm getting worked up both last night and, and uh, this morning. After yesterday's show, Coca said, by the way, this NWSL story is going to lead tomorrow's show. He correctly predicted that Paul Riley, the coach of the North Carolina Courage, was going to get canned. And he was absolutely right. The National Women's Soccer League is a professional soccer league. It's, it's the Women's Major League Soccer League. If you don't, if you're not familiar with the league, many of the women from the World Cup U.S. Olympic team like Alex Morgan, et cetera, play in this league. And this is a league that has had its share of issues. And I'm trying to figure out as I'm thinking about the story overnight and putting the show together and then talking with Coco this morning, when is it going to stop? When is it that we can talk about women's sports and talk about it in terms of their athletic ability, talk about it in terms of their accomplishments, their failures, talk about PR blunders, talk about the problem in building teams and how bad executives can be, all the things that we get to do when we talk about men's sports. Now, of course, men's sports have its share of controversy, but it relates to behavior off the field. And that behavior, unfortunately, in men's sports and in, and in the world is sometimes manifested in how men treat women. For the life of me, I can't understand how this is still an issue in 2021. I can't understand how men believe that it's okay to treat women in the way that used to be in theory okay because you didn't get in trouble, but it always felt sort of weird. All of the joking around that you do in front of women reporters, in front of women executives, all of the inappropriate things that you knew were inappropriate, but you knew you wouldn't get in trouble. And then you look back and you say, wow, that not only did that not age well, but man, I could have gotten in some serious trouble back then if the rules had been what they are now. And I'm not sure why they weren't the way they were back then, but at least they are now. Where we stand is that you cannot mistreat women hard stop. You cannot make them feel uncomfortable. You cannot comment on what they are wearing. You have to treat them the way that you would treat other men. Now, sometimes you can get into trouble when you don't even mean to get into trouble. When you say to a fellow coworker, hey, I like your suit, you look good, and you are a man telling a man that, it is rarely looked at as harassment. If there is a woman who is dressed in a way that you think looks good for a meeting and you say to that woman, hey, you look good, that can be on the edge. You can't say you look hot. You have to say you look good. When men are involved in women's sports as coaches, as trainers, as owners, you have a special responsibility to make sure that you and everyone with whom you work does not screw up that they do not mistreat the women. So let me just give you examples. When you are an owner of a team 
a Daniel Snyder, a Mark Cuban. You've got to now take responsibility for what happens below you. Unfortunately, sometimes they're doing it too, but you have to take responsibility. You hire people in charge of diversity and equity and inclusion. You put all these systems in place. You talk about all of the ways that you can report workplace harassment. We have an anonymous number. That's the new thing. You can call anonymously and say, I've been mistreated. So the North, the National Women's Soccer League has this issue where there's a coach named Paul Riley. Paul Riley over the years has had a bit of a problem. His problem is that he likes to think that he is a big time guy who can take advantage of these soccer players, who can inappropriately have them to his room to go over film sessions. Here's a hint for all of you people who haven't figured it out since Harvey. When someone asks you to come to their room to review anything when you're on the road, they're lying and they want to have sex. When someone says that, report it. When someone says to you, hey, I have an idea of how you can have an easier practice tomorrow. Why don't you come here? Paul Riley apparently had his players engage in some sexual acts. And the reward was that they wouldn't have to run the next day in practice. Paul Riley, of course, was investigated in 2015 by the National Women's Soccer League and found no problem. It was simple. We investigated and we closed the book. All's good. Well, here we are a few years later, and Paul Riley apparently is still doing the things that Paul Riley was doing. Except this time, the National Women's Soccer League had no choice but to make the North Carolina Courage fire Paul Riley, which they did. But when a coach gets fired, a league is forced to come up with statements and PR in order to cover the fact that they were negligent in their protection of their players. You remember all the talk we had about the U.S. Olympic Committee and the USA Gymnastics team and Larry Nasser, who couldn't die enough in prison. I don't want to die. I just want to get violated, actually. Remember, we talked about that and the, you know, Simone Biles and Ali Reisman and other gymnasts testified on, on the Hill. So what came out of that was this organization called the U.S. Center for Safe Sport. This is an organization that purportedly is going to be the clearinghouse for any harassment that goes on of women in sport. They're going to provide training to men. I had a problem with that when I was president of the Marlins. It made me crazy that we had to train people how to treat women correctly. Maybe people don't grow up with, with parents or don't grow up understanding the difference between right and wrong. But the training should be comprised of simple examples that would indicate to men what is wrong. You should not need to put in that example, hey, do you want to have sex? And if you do have sex, guess what? We'll have a good practice tomorrow. Hey, do you want to have sex? I hope so, because otherwise you're not going to get a promotion. 
hey, do you want to have sex and send me nude pictures? Because otherwise you're not going to keep your job. Do we need to train people to know that that's wrong? Do we have people with moral centers and moral compasses that are so far pointed away from north that they can't figure that out? But anyway, I digress. So the U.S. Center for Safe Sport is formed. They've got power. And it turns out that it's a clearinghouse for nothing. People send complaints. They get investigated, I'm sure. And then they get thrown under the table, which is the same thing that went on with the USA Gymnastics team when the FBI was doing this. So if the FBI is not properly investigating complaints, I can assure you that some rinky-dink organization with an absolutely unnavigable website is not going to protect the women of the National Women's Soccer League. But the commissioner, Lisa Baird, has to keep her job. She has to say publicly, because now it's a big story, I was shocked and disgusted to read the new allegations reported this morning, except she was the same commissioner who in 2015 sent a letter responding to someone complaining about Paul Riley saying, hey, we investigated. I can't tell you what we found, but I can only tell you there's nothing to see here. It's all good. But remember, we care about your safety. For some reason, PR people tell commissioners, all you have to do is say that we have a comprehensive anti-harassment, anti-discrimination policy. All we have to say is that we continue to make our league a safe, positive, and respectful environment for our players, clubs, staff, and fans. Horse hockey. When you say that, what it means is you haven't done it. So don't say we continue to. You could say we strive to. You can say we are hoping to. You can even say we plan to. But don't you dare say we continue to. Lisa Bear, the commissioner, who should know better. I'm always shocked when women are involved in not protecting women. I would think that there would be even a greater understanding given that where Lisa Baird, for an example, has ascended to that she has seen her share of Dago loss behavior by men, that she would have a stronger antenna to this and a stronger response. But no, she's got to keep her job and got to keep her league going. She would email people who sent in complaints anonymously. They're not anonymous, but sending complaints. And she'd always end them with, thank you again for your email and I wish you the best. I responded to tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of emails during my years, and I still do respond. Sometimes I say, good luck with your future endeavors. Sometimes I say, keep going. Sometimes I say, you are not alone. But if someone sent something to me about an issue that an organization has that I'm in charge of, or an organization has that I'm on the board of, or an organization, this happened recently when I was talking about something, of course, I'm not going to remember, but someone pointed out to me that the organization that I was touting had had a some experience with anti-Semitism. Ah, I remember exactly what it was. It was Ice Cube and the big three. When I did the Samson sit down with Julie Servant and Gary Payton, someone said, by the way, Ice Cube owns the big three, founded it, whatever the, the legal definition is. 
And you know that he's been pretty anti-Semitic over the years. And I had no idea. And I did some Googling and then I responded. But the email response was, thank you so much for bringing that to my attention. I'm going to look into it and be far more careful going forward. Not thank you very much. I wish you the best. Good luck with your future endeavors. You've got to own when you have done something wrong. We've talked about it with steroids. Own it and then you can move forward. It doesn't mean that saying you're sorry ends the issue. It doesn't mean that starting an organization to forward complaints ends the issue. Because now the North Carolina Courage had no choice but to fire Riley after they didn't fire him with his other complaints. And then they had to do a statement yesterday that it doesn't belong on Mount Rushmore. But I think as listeners to nothing personally appreciate their statement, when we hired Paul, we made perfectly clear the expectations of the job and the values of our club. And from what we know, he has lived up to those expectations. If there are any players or staff that wish to come forward in accordance with NWSL league policy, we encourage them to report any inappropriate behavior as we will continue to uphold the standard of maintaining a safe and positive environment for all at the club. Does that sound familiar? They have a PR person who said, hey, we can release that. I think we're going to be okay. I think it's going to be fine. And then, uh oh, they had to fire him. Here comes statement number dose. The courage support the players who have come forward and we commend them for bravely sharing their stories. The National Carolina, the North Carolina Football Club is united together in our commitment to creating a safe, positive and respectful environment, not only within our club, but across the league in our great sport. As previously stated, players and staff are encouraged to report any inappropriate behavior in accordance with NWSL policy as we prioritize efforts to maintain the highest professional standards. I guess I could get a job in PR because people just don't learn. Maybe I'll be a consultant. Maybe we'll do nothing personal consulting and write statements for all these organizations when they're trying to cover up what they've done. And by covering it up, they make it even worse by doing a statement on top of a statement, which makes the first statement look so bad and the second statement even worse because they don't remember and realize now they're going to need a third statement because they screwed up the first two statements so badly. I've got a solution to all the issues that North Carolina Courage have that the NWSL has. And here it is, and it's very simple. When you hire a coach, a male coach to to coach female athletes, when you have a male trainer helping female athletes, it should be a requirement, a requirement that there is a female who is above that male in the chain of command. Doesn't, and I don't mean a female president or a female commissioner. I'm talking about someone who's in the clubhouse, someone who's in the training room, someone who's in the front office. I believe there should be a female, not someone who's some VP of inclusion who sits at a desk and just takes anonymous complaints and has zero power. Every league's done it. You saw baseball even did it. Major League Baseball hired a woman because they had to. I don't even think she's there anymore. 
There needs to be a woman above in the org chart who is in charge of compliance, like a compliance officer, but not someone behind a desk, someone with the team, traveling with the team, who's around, yes, who's a spy, who's independent, who is not paid by the team, who's paid by the league entity. And yes, it costs money, but it's enough. At what point do we just say, uncle? At what point do we say it's not about the 45 or the 55 or the 75 or the 100 grand per year that we are going to spend? It's about guaranteeing going forward that we don't have these segments anymore because I'm tired of them. All right, Coca. God, there's frustrations boiling over everywhere. The NBA players, we were just starting training camp. And we can't get enough of the Ben Simmons story because every time the medium has to meet with the Sixers, which is every day, guess what? Ben Simmons comes up. One of you asked a very interesting question. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. That's when you get into my DMs on Twitter. Please follow at David P. Samson. I still don't know why we're behind in followers, people who are not even interesting follows because maybe I haven't bought followers, which I'm never going to do. Not maybe I never have. So follow me, David P. Sampson, tell your friends, go on Twitter and just press follow. It does. It takes two seconds. Ask a question. And here it is. Hello, David. Hello. It's funny how people, when they write questions, start with hello, David, but thank you. I guess it's a salutation. Did the Philadelphia 76ers front office tell Joel Embiid what to say about Ben Simmons? Wow, that is a great question. You remember Ben Simmons? For those of you who are sleeping under a rock, Ben Simmons is the guy who signed to that max deal by the Sixers. He stinks, can't shoot threes, can't shoot free throws, totally disappears when the playoffs happen. The Sixers tried to trust the process. The process failed. They haven't won a title. They've been competitive. But now Ben Simmons said, nah, I'm too angry to report to camp. I demand a trade. And the new executive, who's the erstwhile executive from Houston, has said, ah, we're not going to trade him quite yet. And the new coach, Doc Rivers, that successful coach who couldn't quite get it done with the Clippers, being up three to one several years in a row, said, ah, we're going to make it work. Meanwhile, Ben Simmons has done nothing, won't even meet with the team, and came out and said, the problem is I'm not respected. I like that when athletes say that. No, you're not respected. It's true. So Joel Embiid is the best player on that team. He's a top, what is he, Coca? I'm going to say he's a top 10 player in the NBA. Is that safe? He's definitely not a top five, but I'd say he's a top 10. And Coca may disagree with me. He may not. He's thinking right now. His response just now, right here. Can you see on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, this thing in my ear? He just said, he said, sure. And he says that I can't tell whether he's being sarcastic or if he's just trying to shut me up and say, move on, David. Although when he wants me to do that, he just says, move on. Like he's doing right now. Okay, I'm going. So Joel, Joel Embiid meets the media. He's asked about Ben Simmons. And he says the situation is disappointing, borderline kind of disrespectful to all the guys that are out here fighting for their lives. He said, I feel like our teams have been built, whether it's the shooting need or stretch five and all that stuff. I feel like Simmons always had it here and we still have it. Our teams have always been built around his needs. 
And then he said it was kind of surprising to see what Simmons has done and what Simmons has said. We got rid of Jimmy Butler, which I still think was a mistake, just to make sure Simmons needed the ball in his hands. That's the decision they made. Like I said, it's all surprising. Joel Embiid has had it with Ben Simmons. Forget their personal relationship off the field. The reality is the Sixers, in my mind, are a better team without Ben Simmons. That's why I would trade him for whatever you can get. But you want to know what role the front office has when a player meets the media about a major team situation. So the way we would do it is we would sit with the players, discuss an issue that was happening. So Ben Simmons is holding out. He's not going to play. We're going to meet with the team when training camp starts, and we're going to give them talking points about the Ben Simmons situation because all of them are subject to be asked. And the talking points we're going to say is we are focused on the team right here. We are confident in the players we have in this locker room right now. We are going to leave the off-the-court speculation and distraction for you all to discuss. But in here, we are super focused on winning a championship. Those are the talking points. But then you pull Joel Embiid aside and do a one-on-one. We would do this with our top players, with the players who are the best players, because those are the players who the media goes to more often than the last guy on the bench or the bench guy or the you know, the fifth starter. So to Joel Embiid, if I'm Daryl Morey, I'm having a conversation with him and I'm saying, listen, when you're asked about Simmons, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to exhibit your frustration with him directly. I'd like you to say, we're going to keep this in-house, but I will only say I have made it very clear to Ben that he needs to be here. I would like you to say, Joel, that we have a team that is capable of winning a championship right now and that we are going to move forward, period. Here's what I don't want you to say. I don't want you to say that you're counting on the front office to solve this issue. I don't want you to say that what the front office has turned down in trade is something they should not have turned down or that the front office should do better in trading him. I don't want you to say anything that in any way makes it as though this is our fault. And I would leave it there. And then we'd send a PR person in to watch Joel Embiid talk. And then I'd have to go find him again after the press conference. And I'd have to say, hey, Joel, why do you have to bring up Jimmy Butler? If you're upset about the fact that we let Jimmy Butler go and sign Tito Horford, um, uh, uh, 10, 12, 69. If you're upset that we let Jimmy Butler go and we signed Al Horford, then tell me that. We don't need to have the distraction of you telling the media how much you miss a player who's on the heat. I would prefer you not to have said that. It didn't even occur to me when we were prepping you to meet the media that you would say anything about Jimmy Butler, but there you go. And so the moral of the story is the front office can never tell a player what to say. They can coach them. They can discuss the issues. They can suggest talking points by putting them into the universe. But there's no way to ever eliminate all the bad things that a player can say about a front office or about a team that make you cringe and make you lose your mind and take a beeline right to the locker room to talk to the player again. It's been happening since the beginning of time. It will continue to happen. And Daryl Morey almost had it all. 
He had Joel so perfectly prepared until the Jimmy Butler stuff. <clears throat> he came so close, you couldn't even shine a flashlight through it. All right, when we come back, we're going to review a new movie with one of my favorite, favorite actors, Oscar Isaac. And then we're going to talk about the University of Miami, the Hurricanes, and what their president did that shocked me to the core. We will be right back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Yes, Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Thank you for rating, reviewing, following subscribing. Thank you for nominating and having me get nominated for People's Choice Podcast Awards. The awards were given out last night, and I'm proud to say that nothing personal didn't win. Oh, for two. Best male podcast host and eh. best sports podcast. And eh. but this is when I say I'm just honored to be nominated. Nope. I lost. I'm not honored to be nominated. I don't like when people say that. I lost. Next year, Maybe we'll win. So I'm still going to watch a movie, even though we're considered a sports podcast. I'm still still going to talk about other sports, even though we're somehow in a baseball category in some of the rankings and other other places. But we talk about all sports. But the movie I watched yesterday is the new Oscar Isaac movie, which is called The Card Counter. The Card Counter is not about a guy who counts cards. Hold on. Let me change my mind. The card counter is about a guy who counts cards, except the very fact that he counts cards has zero to do with the movie. The movie starts and it's directed and written by the guy who uh, wrote 
Paul Schrader is his name. Come on, Coca, help me. And I didn't, we didn't have time to talk about this pregame. We did have time. I hate when people say that. We had time. We just didn't do it when preparing for the show. He wrote, maybe Taxi Driver and Raging Bull. This is no schlepper. The movie is about a former soldier who was involved in some terrible interrogation tactics that were taught to him by Willem Dafoe. Tiffany Haddish plays a character that is not funny. It's a dramatic role. Her character is someone who is there purportedly paying Oscar Isaac to gamble, but really as an extra character that does not move the story forward. The story is about Oscar Isaac coming back from war and the things he had to do and how he deals with it going forward. Why it's called the card counter, Okuni Day. Why people think it's about gambling, I get it because it's called the card counter. Is it worth seeing? It's really good. Oscar Isaac, as you know, is a top 20 actor of his generation. And I'm not gonna get Coco to say sure to that because my guess is I can make a list. I still think he'd be a top 20. So that is by definition worth 110 minutes of your time. But don't think that you're going to see Jim Sturgis and Kevin Spacey in 21. So how reactive was I ever to the media? More so than I would have liked, less so than others. I had a pretty thick skin, let a lot of things roll off my back, was not all that concerned when people would say bad things about the Marlins. I was pretty used to it. We deserved it other than after 03 and maybe 04 and 05. Although we did pretty well in 09 as well. We were still in the race. You know what? We didn't deserve any of it. No, nah, I'm just kidding. But when there were national broadcasters, let's say employed by Fox or ESPN or CBS or anybody, and they would say something about the Marlins that I felt was unfair, I would call people at the network and they'd get calls from teams all the time. And I would say, you know, I wish that you had asked me in advance before saying that. Sometimes I would call the broadcaster directly. I wish that you would have asked me because I would have explained my side. So you at least could have given two sides to a story. But I never went so far as President Julio Frank did at the University of Miami. There was a nationally televised game where Kirk, Coca, help me, Kirk Herb Street, Kirk Herb Street said a few things about the University of Miami that were not so pleasant. They used to be a powerhouse back in the Ray Davies time. Uh, back in the, God, all right, seriously, Coco, wipe that. Ray Davies, what? oh, the Kinks guy, Ray Lewis. Coco was telling me before the show that he loved the Miami Hurricanes because he loved Ray Lewis, and then Ray Lewis was a hurricane. They used to win championships. 
They played at the Orange Bowl in Miami. They were just always good. And meanwhile, for almost as long as I can remember now, they have not been good. I think since they joined the ACC in 04, they haven't won it. And there's been some question as to whether or not Manny Diaz is the right coach. They've gone through coaches, yada, 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 whatever. But what Herb Street was saying is that what's interesting about the Miami program is I'm not sure they allocate the proper resources to make it the way it should be. I'm not sure that they allocate the proper resources to do the proper recruiting. <laughs> he didn't say that, but he could have. <laughs> you need resources to get the best players. There are great high school football programs in Miami. Maybe none better than St. Thomas Aquinas. And they don't even get players to go to Miami anymore from local South Florida high schools. It's a total nightmare. So Julio Frank sees all of this criticism and he comes out with the most bizarre letter to everybody, not to the media, to all the fans, to the students, to the alum, to the boosters, to the people who pay money under the table, over the table, on the side of the table, to the faculty. And this letter is, is written in a way that if I am Manny Diaz or the athletic director whose name is Blake something, Coca, doesn't matter, the athletic director of the University of Miami, I am saying to myself, there is a very good chance that I'm about to lose my job. But Julio Frank, Blake James, thank you. But his letter... I just want to read you a few parts of it. At the U time and again, we have proven that excellence in academics and excellence in athletics are not mutually exclusive. I'm not sure they have, but I digress. I am grateful to our student athletes, athletics director, his team, and the entire Hurricanes coaching staff for their dedication and to our fans for their unceasing passion and loyalty. We are one you in our pursuit of winning on the field and in life. He ends the letter with that paragraph after having a whole long letter about how he wants to be strategic and how they're dealing with disruption and how our academic and healthcare missions are so important. And when it comes to athletics, he said, I need to make sure that we are taking care of athletics, but that we're also taking care of academics, basically saying what his job is as president. And then to solve the issue that he thinks has been brought up by the media, where they're not spending enough money, where there's not enough love of the athletic program, he says, I've decided to increase the involvement for my senior leadership team to chart a way forward. I have asked my senior leadership team to augment my own direct engagement with the athletics director. <laughs> Do you know what that means? That means what he's saying is to his scheduling secretary, hey, would you be okay if we had a weekly meeting, Blake? Would that be fine? I know that generally I've let you do whatever you want because I really couldn't care less because of course they don't allocate money to the athletics program because my job is to increase the US News and World Report rankings of the school as a whole, not the rankings of the football team in the top 25. And the only reason that I'm writing this letter and now willing to meet with you once a week 
once every two weeks, once a month, whatever it is, is that I really, really don't want to get criticized and have people misunderstand how great the University of Miami is from an academic standpoint, from a research standpoint, from a medical standpoint, and get distracted because our football team stinks. <laughs> Why not just... I was thinking about this. Hey, Julio, why not? And he's a good guy, by the way. He just doesn't care about sports. If you're going to write a letter, why don't you come out and say, I've decided to allocate an extra $50 million per year, not to capital improvements on campus, not to build new buildings, not to endowing research chairs, not to attracting better faculty, but I've decided to pour $50 million into our boosters to make sure they can give it back to the players in the form of NIL. And then we'll have a better team could have said that he wouldn't have said all that but he could have just said we are allocating further resources to the team but that would be admitting that he cut resources instead he was brutally honest by saying yeah we're gonna keep investing in what we've been investing in but i will meet with the athletic director on a more frequent basis okay i think manny and blake have a problem and the problem is that when they lose games and then last night the hurricanes played they lost to the uh the uh, University of Virginia, and I think it was 30 to 28. And his problem is going to be that as they continue to lose their two and three, he's going to have zero choice but to fire Manny and likely even Blake. Not a wait to see because it's not. Nothing personal pick of the day. We lost. I'm so sorry to Jays fans out there. Although Yankee fans used to say the Yankees only lose when I pick the Yankees. Jays fans say, and this is, of course, recency bias. The Jays lose when I pick the Jays. I did have the Jays because I thought Robbie Ray would have a better start. But Robbie Ray gave up three home runs in one inning in that fateful inning last night to Judge and to Rizzo and to Torres. And the Blue Jays lost to the Yankees. The AL wild card is still fascinating because the Red Sox lost. So the Mariners and Red Sox are tied for the second wild card. The Blue Jays are only a game back, but the Yankees really are in a great position. The Seattle Mariners are going for their 90th win of the season. I've tried to give them a little bit more love. You know that I haven't given them much love. I'm not necessarily a Jerry DePito guy, but I will give him credit that this team, in spite of him, they have just continued to win. They are playing the Anaheim Angels this weekend. If they sweep the Angels, they're guaranteed a game 163 on Monday. And the Angels, who have shut down Otani, who are just simply terrible, the Angels went into this season thinking, hey, we got a perfect top of the rotation guy in Andrew Heaney. Andrew Heaney was just sent to the minor leagues by the Yankees, who picked him up at the trade deadline, by the way. But tonight, I'm going to watch the Mariners beat the Angels. And I want to fully admit that I was wrong about the Seattle Mariners. Saturday's game, just turn, turn down your microphone here in Toronto, please. And then turn it up like in 10 seconds. Ready and go. Manoa's pitching on Saturday again. The Jays play the Orioles. The Orioles just won two out of three against the Red Sox, but the Jays will at least win two out of three, if not sweep the Red Sox. And Saturday night, Manoa will beat the Orioles. Okay, are you back? Sunday, I'm watching football and baseball. Baseball came up with this thing when, uh, when I was there. We had a big problem the last day of the season. We always felt it was a huge competitive 
disadvantage to play an afternoon early game on the East Coast of the last day of the season. Because if we are chasing or being chased by a team playing on the West Coast, so at four o'clock Eastern, they had the advantage. Because if the one o'clock team loses and the four o'clock team doesn't have to win, then the four o'clock team doesn't have to pitch its best pitch its best pitcher and can save that pitcher for a one game playoff or for game one of the division series. And we talked it through on the competition committee and we said, what is the best way to make it so everybody has to pitch their best guy in the last game of the season? And then boom, it came to us like some sort of message from above. Make everyone play at the same time because then everyone's scoreboard watching and you can't sit your best pitcher because you can't count on the team who's chasing you or who you're chasing to lose because you're all playing together. Well, we can't play one o'clock games then because on the West Coast, you're not going to play at 10 o'clock. We can't play late games because teams have to get on the plane if there's a tiebreaker game on Monday or if they're in the playoffs, they have to go to where they're playing game one of the playoffs because you have to do a workout in that city where you're playing. So the agreed upon time was three o'clock Eastern, which is noon on the West Coast, one o'clock Mountain and three o'clock Eastern. So Sunday, there will be a tremendous day of baseball, but my pick is not baseball related. My pick is football related. Somehow the Kansas City Chiefs are only favored by seven over the Eagles. The Chiefs are one and two. For all of you gamblers out there, you know the Chiefs never cover. Never say never. It's not never. They don't often cover. They're terrible ATS. I just learned that from watching CBS Sports HQ against the spread. But the Eagles absolutely stink. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to throw for four touchdowns. The Chiefs are going to score at least 28 to 35 points, and they're only favored by seven over the Eagles. I'd give 21 over the Eagles. Chiefs minus seven. We're 126 and 107 with three picks this weekend. Mariners over Angels, Jays over Orioles, and Chiefs giving seven to the Eagles. So wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. And then when it happens, we say it happened. When it doesn't, we revisit it. On Monday's show, we're going to get to go over all of the baseball wait to sees that we did throughout the course of the season that we haven't solved yet, but we will, that haven't come true or false, but they will. But I'm going to add one. And the wait to see is there's going to be a game 163 on Monday. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, it's unbelievably exciting because there are going to be two teams playing to either be the second wild card. There could even be a three-way tie for one spot, which would cause two games. But either way, there is going to be a tiebreaker game on Monday. Get ready. Somewhere. It could even be Giants and Dodgers, although that's unlikely because those two teams simply don't lose. But there will be. You wait to see. And so then after the season, what happens is if you're eliminated, Sunday's a, a uh, Sunday's always been a tough day. And I had 17 Sundays that were tough end of season. One of them was not because we were going to the playoffs. And the reason why it's tough is that, you know, it's the last game. You know that you're going to never have that group together again. Changes are coming. You know, you've got to go into immediate off-season mode. You've got to start having your off-season meetings with your owner, with your baseball people. 
You're getting ready for the GM meetings, which happen in November. The winter meetings, which happen in December. And you know, well before the last game of the season, whether or not you're going to make any on-field changes with your coaches or your manager. So you tell your coaching staff, I like to do it before Sunday to give them an opportunity to say goodbye or to not coach the last game if they don't want to. Most owners and presidents don't like doing that. They like telling their coaches after the season ends because they don't want the distraction. Don't let people you're firing say goodbye to their players. I was always fine with that. Mostly when we knew. So the Mets have a big decision to make because they're trying to hire a president of baseball operations. They're trying to figure out what to do with their manager. And for whatever reason, Sandy Alderson gave a quote yesterday that Steve Cohn can't be happy with. It can't be what the Mets fans and what the country wants to see from the New York Mets, knowing what a huge offseason they have in front of them. He said, when talked about the future of Louis Rojas, their manager, and the hiring of a president of baseball operations, which they've, which they've acknowledged they're going to fill that position. Alderson said, whether that managerial decision is made after that individual, meaning the president of baseball operations, is hired or before, it's difficult to say. But I would say, given the timing, probably that decision will be made before we have somebody as head of baseball operations. That is incredibly silly of Sandy to say. What he's saying is that we're going to make a decision on Rojas prior to hiring a new head of baseball operations. What that means is they're firing him because they're definitely not going to go public and say we're keeping him, then hire a head of baseball operations and say, by the way, you're going to have all sorts of power. Don't worry about Stevie Cohn. Don't worry about his Twitter. Don't worry about him spending money. But I promise you, you're going to have Oh, no, you're not. You're not even going to have a say in your manager. Anybody who they're trying to bring in from Billy Bean to Theo to anybody wants to have a say in the GM who works under them and in the manager who works for them. If you fire Rojas, that means that you have spoken to your candidates and your candidates have all said, we don't want Rojas. We are going to bring in our own manager. If there is even a small chance that a new president of baseball operations wants Rojas, then you wait to fire him until that president of baseball ops comes aboard. But by Sandy Alderson saying to you, given the timing, the decision will be made before we have somebody. It's not even wait to see worthy. That means Rojas is being fired at season's end. But I'm going to give you that wait to see and tell you that not only will Louis Rojas be fired at the end of this season by the Mets, but I guarantee you they will not hire a new manager until they have a president of baseball operations because they will not be able to attract anybody if the managerial position has been filled. So wait to see. Rojas is gone, but a new manager will not be hired. You know why that is. It's been a hell of a week. It's just business. This is nothing personal.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.